changing it up. We're changing it up. Actually, speaking of changing it up, hey, everybody, welcome to We Got the Beat. We changed the logo a little bit. Uh, Andrew's tweaked it to uh, give us more range with our show. It's called now We Got the Beat 80s Teen Movies and Beyond instead of 80s and 90s because I started thinking of how are we going to discuss the entire oeuvre, if, you ha- if that's how you say the word, of Freddie Prince Jr. Very nice. Oeuvre? Oeuvre? Snap. I do really want to talk about Freddie Prince Jr. How'd you know? Uh, well, to be fair, I've been itching to discuss She's All That. Well, I've been discussing, I've been thinking about discussing all of those updates of like Shakespearean and classic tales. You remember there was a, that was a whole fad with like 10 Things yeah. I Hate About You yeah. and Othello, but oh. it was O, yeah. Um, cool yeah. intentions and stuff like that. Definitely, yeah, that will be fun to talk about. Um, so this Good one, day. this one isn't as fun and jovial as the previous episodes. This one's a little more weighty, I think. And I, I have the flip side of this, where it's focused on the boys' coming of age story. Uh, we gotta discuss my bodyguard. I don't know if it'll be with you, but it'll be with somebody. But um, I Is had Adam Baldwin in that. Yeah. And I'm a hundred percent willing to watch and discuss great actor apparently just, a horrible human just, being <laughs> really yeah he's come uh, out full force in the hard right kind of guy boy his whole well, thing is you know breaking what? Hard. uh not not to totally just like go down like a wrong path but um it was super interesting because we re- re-watched chuck pretty recently and to see like how like um he his character was very very much that and it we don't see that very often on a tv show <laughs> yeah it's so uh maybe he had an influence on how that character was played out right and i was just thinking about that when we were watching the two movies are foxes and uh uh little darlings um and you have scott Bayo and foxes and he's so heroic mm. and honorable in that movie and it's just well, you know who he really is and uh, during this time period. And, I mean, I, the, the horror stories I've heard from Charles in Charge on the set is just horrific. But Well, maybe he was, like, decent back in the day because he was a kid and hadn't, you know, spiraled yet. That's true. I, I mean, people can flip on a dime. I mean, it, but one also, it's thing a can go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? It's a, it's a character. That doesn't mean that's who he was. You'd like to believe it, but it doesn't mean it's true. I mean, it turns Maybe out he James was Woods... an asshole when he was 16. <laughs> yeah, it turns out James Woods wasn't acting. He really is a crazy asshole. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, it's really interesting how there are some actors who, you know, who, who like, truly not that I know any famous people, uh, obviously, but truly seem exactly like every character they play. But they're like, it's not a character. This is just who they are. And then there's other people who are just like, oh, couldn't be any more different than the, than the roles they play yeah. because they're just, like, you know, challenging themselves to try all these different things. But I'm pretty sure, like... Lauren Graham is Lorelai Gilmore. They're like the same, and every character she plays is the same. And James Wood. I mean, not that that means she's a bad person, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it's totally. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very interesting thing. If That's I, all. I can see it. If I was going to be an actor, it would be very hard for me to shake who I am, like shake my personality traits. Well, then you wouldn't be a very good actor. What? 
Oh, wait. No, I understand what you're saying. Sorry, I understand. I'd be very one note, but I'd be very six. No. Uh, let's get back on the topic here. Um, I had a whole joke set yeah. up, but I screwed it up. I was going to tell you that I watched a movie called Faxes about four office girls who are miserable at their job, and you'd be like, Faxes? Do you mean foxes? And I'm like, oh, shit, I watched the wrong movie. And then we, I, we'd have to pause it while I watched the right movie. It was a stupid joke. I I bailed. It is a stupid joke, but and not because it's bad, but I think I would rather watch Faxes. The, you said this movie traumatized you. This is the first time I've ever seen it, was this week. Okay, I don't remember how old I was. I don't remember the scenario, but I do 100% remember watching this movie when I was young. I do not know why, but I was so traumatized by the very end of the movie that I I think that 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 is the reason why like I was like never get in a car with strangers never drink and drive was because of this movie I'm still traumatized by the but these are my friends jeans I don't what is that from I don't remember that I'm sorry here's the thing I'm gonna apologize right now did you watch did I, you really watch it? I wa- no, I didn't really. See, here's the thing is I watched it, but I have this tendency to put my phone in my fucking hands, and then I lose bits and pieces. Here's the thing is, I'm going to admit to you right now, I don't know how the four girls are friends. They're so wildly different. Is well, school? Is it just school? You, but they don't really talk about that. They don't really talk about how they became friends. They just plunge you into their like day-to-day life of dysfunction. Like, there's just, it's just this whole dysfunctional story about these girls and how, like, they, you know, try to look out for each other and take care of each other, but they're, like, you know, wildly messed up. (laughs) So, it is definitely, like, I would say Foxes is, like, a coming-of-age story that is very um, tough. And it is not heartwarming at all. It is very sad and to me is just like a warning, 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 don't do drugs, warning, warning, don't go, don't date men in their 20s when you're 15 years old you know it's like i don't know if this was like normal behavior in the early 80s or what because i think this movie came out in 1980 yeah it um but i mean it was just like i mean a story about all these dysfunctional girls and 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 with the exception of one you never see any of their parents, and even the one girl, the Jodie Foster's character, her mom is barely around. You see her dad in one scene. Uh, he, you know, her parents are divorced, and they all make terrible choices. So, these kids are these fifteen, sixteen-year-old girls are basically raising themselves, and they're making terrible choices. So it's it's what I th- what I think this is, and there's a movie that came out. Here's a weird thing: we're going to discuss a movie probably later called On the Edge, which technically came out in 1979 for one weekend as like a test screening for buyers, mm. and okay. it got held for two years until Matt Dillon all of a sudden all of a sudden became like red hot, and then it got issued in '81 or I think it was early '82. And what it tells you is these kids are starting to move to the suburbs, and there's nothing out there. It's just neighborhoods. There's nothing to keep them preoccupied, so they get into trouble because they're bored out of their minds and they lash out. And that was one thing that was going on, but they're also, you know, this discusses more of 
um, people in the city. Oh, it, over it, the edge. Over the edge. Is that what I said? Oh. On, you oh, said no, on, on the, the edge. edge. Right, sorry. Um, oh. Over the edge, you know, it tells you what it's like in the suburbs, but Foxes is the flip side of that coin with people who... Mm-hmm. Or living in the city, and it's so expensive that a lot of these people are working overtime. You know, they're working two jobs. So they're not home to raise their kids. So they're out in the streets with their friends. And they're just basically, well, I think they called it the wilding almost, and especially in Los Angeles, where these kids are just roaming the streets all day long. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting into trouble. And with this one, it's similar to Little Darlings, as it brings together these people from different groups. Like, like you said, Jodie Foster has, uh, I think, a little more affluent than the rest of her group, but they're all lost. So that's how they get together. Yeah. But um, they're they're so wildly different too. I like the, the fact that they made the four girls unique instead of just copying the. I've seen in some teen movies where all the girls seem exactly alike. That's true. You know, I will say that regardless of like how the movie makes me feel which is mostly sad that it is really good acting and really good like character choices that they all are very distinct and you know this was like the first movie role for uh, sherry carrie from the um runaways and i mean she's really good um Maybe because she was probably fairly familiar with this lifestyle, uh, that it probably wasn't so different from what she understood. But um, the, you know, the cast in general is really good. The parents and um, yeah, Scott Bay was like super likable, and he, basically he and um, his character and Jodie Foster's character are trying to keep uh, Cherry Curie's character. Uh, from kind of going over the edge um she has you know bad parents um and they want to put her in an institution and she is just running running around with the wrong people especially older guys who are giving her drugs um she hangs out with guys that made me shudder and it's just a movie from 40 years ago but when i saw who she was with i almost just like a father was just like you get away from them young lady (laughs) you know and that whole that scene where they're like i don't know in the parking lot at the drugstore or whatever and um jodie foster and scott bayo are there and they're trying to get her away from them oh that's terrifying like so so stressful and um yeah because they were like truly truly creepy um and i don't know i think ultimately this is like you know a story about loyalty and friendship and uh growing up and you know trying to make the right decisions for yourself even when you know there's destruction all around you and stuff like that so I mean ultimately it's a pretty I mean I, like I said for me it was like a almost like a scare tactic yeah movie. It's, there's parts of it that almost play like a after school special mixed with a horror movie yeah so I mean maybe it was a little extreme but I don't know what it was like in you know LA and the early 80s i've i've heard some things but i can't possibly know if it was really that terrifying um and that wild but i think it probably was so um 
So you don't remember how this all ends? No, no, I remember how it ends. That's the traumatizing part. Um, I, 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 yeah, so. I think the one trick that uh, I don't mean trick, but the the filming technique that Adrian Line uses is you think they're attending her funeral, but it fast forwards a bit in time, and almost creepier than Sherry Curry's story is the one not with Deirdre. Deirdre is the one that has like I guess the most mediocre of stories. Um, where she's just a really pretty girl, but she somehow can't get the right guy. They're always kind of like, it either fails or they're kind of a scumbag. But yeah. Madge's story is fucked up, and I think uh-huh. they kind of wash over this, is that she has an extremely abusive boyfriend who's, like, more mm-hmm. than a decade older than her, who had sex with her. What I mean, what he did was illegal in the first place. But two, he's yeah. a horrible human being. And then she marries him, and that's the end of the movie, and that's I know. Up. And they're like, like the whole thing where he's just like, come back here so I can he- beat you up. And she like runs away from him or whatever. And you think that she's like, you know, making a decision to like walk away from somebody who's like controlling and abusive or potentially abusive. And no, you find out like two years later, they like fast forward to their wedding. Yeah, that's hella disturbing. But also, is it probably pretty realistic? Probably. I mean, probably. we know nightmare stories like this of people we grew up with. People getting, you know, people... I mean, what... You know, she had kind of... I mean, I think her parents had good intentions, but I'm sure she considered them being very controlling, and, and she was pretty naive and... um you know, um, really nerdy and, um, this is your only shot to get a man. You're so homely. Right. Exactly. So did she do this just because she thought it was her like only way out or did, you know, I mean, did she really love the guy? Maybe she thought she did, but I have a feeling that a lot of, there was a lot of marriages like that in the late, in the seventies and you know, eighties is like, you know, uh, getting away from your parents or this was your only option or I don't know. It was just what was expected. I have no idea. Yeah, I've heard, I'm glad we've heard, I don't we've heard so many of these common tales and it's uh I wanna say this. Yeah. Adrian Line is a respected actor, but I'm looking at his filmography here. I knew of a couple of them, but I'm really like taking in what he filmed and there are a lot of fucked up movies. He did Flash Dance uh, nine and a half weeks, Fatal Attraction, Jacob's Ladder, Indecent Proposal, Lolita, and Unfaithful. Mm. These are all, all every single one of these movies ends up with a really fucked up ending. Well, it, every single, almost every single one's about like, um, yeah, really dark stuff. Um, adultery, child abuse, uh, Ugh. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Murder. And I've seen two different things here where this movie was a huge success, but it's saying right here on Wikipedia that it only made $7.5 million. And I can see that seems more reasonable. The other movie that we're going to discuss is Little Darlings, which was a phenomenon during that summer. It made a shitload of money for how low budget it was. But it was one of these movies that didn't sign off on the music rights correctly, and it was mm. lost for a very long time. Oh, that's such a shame, yeah. 
And I had heard. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember. I feel like it was our mother that told us that the reason it was unavailable was also because it was so controversial because it was about teenage girls trying to lose their virginity, and Paramount got cold feet um, after it hit VHS. Well, I have to say that when you were like ex- explaining the plot of the movie to me, I was like a little bit disturbed. <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, like this is so bad." Uh, but uh, the description doesn't really give justice to what the movie is, because I was really expecting it to be kind of like I don't know, distasteful. Maybe yeah, I thought it was going to be raunchy. Um, I really thought that's what it was going to be. It was going to be like a Porky's, but for girls. And then when I saw what it yeah. really was, I was like, "Oh, oh no, I got this completely wrong." Yeah, it is totally not um, what you're thinking. It is really, truly like a very, um, you know, a coming of age story of, you know, two very different girls uh, will first hating each other and competing against each other in this stupid, stupid bet brought on by this dumb bitchy awful girl <laughs> that was like a you know a third party in their in their um their cabin to say you know she was much more experienced than everyone else and that you know you they needed to catch up to her it's you know so, what the funny thing is I, um go ahead sorry i'm sorry no that's fine i don't know what i was gonna say next um I really thought, and, and this feels honest and realistic, and I want to know if, well, I don't want to ask them, but I mean, this feels like, it was written by two women, and it feels like their personal stories, and it's so strange that a man directed this, but he directed it with sensitivity instead of doing what I would think a man would do was ignore all that, you know, so you trim down the sensitivity and make it more raunchy. Yeah, and it really, I mean, you know, it definitely had some of the... Uh, definitely had like playful elements to it that would be in you know a, a boy's story or a typical camp experience you know food fights and you know but it really it really balanced like well first the, the really competitive nature between the two girls was really interesting because they were so very different but at the same time they had a lot in common um, and uh, spoiler! By the end, they really learned to, you know, love and appreciate each other, which was super nice. Um, and they really did have a lot of personal growth. But how um, they each differently approached this challenge of losing their virginity first, and how they handled it um, on an emotional level was really surprising yeah it's what well, what's funny to me is i almost wonder subconsciously if her uh, uh, tatum o'neill's character ferris which i didn't i didn't even realize her first name was ferris i thought it was whitney um that's her last name but um it's almost as if she chose armante sante's character on purpose knowing that it was never going to happen yes because she I, lies I a, almost immediately know, about it yes I think that that uh, could, you know, could be very well be true that, I mean, but also at the same time, like, who was she going to latch on to? He was like the only guy there. It was like an all-girls camp. So she also didn't have, they didn't have a lot of choices, theoretically. That's true. Yeah, that's I, right. What were they thinking? 
Like, they couldn't go to so, town without stealing the bus. You know, they couldn't go to town on their own. And the boys' camp was so far away that it made the challenge yeah. almost impossible. It's as if the snotty girl knew this and would just want to give him shit all summer. Right, but they didn't know, she didn't know how stubborn these girls were that she was talking to. But yeah, I, I have, a, you know, I think you very well could be right that she intentionally made that choice because it, it wasn't very likely. Because you see how she reacted, like, when he, I mean, he was kind of on to what she was trying to do and I don't remember exactly I think she kissed him because she was I don't know whatever after their they had met one night and um, he kept trying to get her to stay away from him and for her that was like enough yeah because I guess because she was like to her that was like just so romantic that it was enough but she also kind of you know she intentionally or I'm not sure I think intentionally misled all the other girls about what happened and um you know got him in a lot of trouble before she you know at the end cleared cleared up everything and told the truth um and kind of saved his reputation um because he could have yeah, been in jail I don't know. I her selfish behavior maybe I'm thinking, you know, she was so much of a romantic that she wouldn't have let it happen, maybe? I right. don't know. I think she liked the idea of it in her head, but the reality of it... Well, that sounds familiar. That's how I am with women. The reality usually makes me shudder, and the fantasy is what lives on in my head and destroys it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so. And then, the on the other side, Christy McNichol, who, by the way, I've always really been a fan of... Um, I think she's a really good actress. Um, her like relationship with Matt Dillon, who, you know, he was her age or close to, and so it was very different. That it, it was so strange that whenever she was like trying, she was trying to seduce him, but at the same time she was just like, "Don't look at me! Don't look at me! <laughs> Are we gonna have sex? Are we gonna have sex or not? Don't look at me! Turn around!" It's like you clearly, I and mean, she was making it very clear how like she had such mixed feelings about this situation, and that you you, you could tell she didn't really want to do it, but she was so stubborn that she was determined to accomplish her goal even though she didn't want to do it well what I like is that they also don't play Matt Dillon as a sleazeball he's uncomfortable, he's angry, he's frustrated he's also like embarrassed he, you know and, and there's yeah. some slight regret in him and that he he's so complicated like a real teenage boy because a lot of teenage boys have no idea what to do with their feelings right so after you know they indeed do have sex she just um i don't know it was her her whole the whole scene after that was just you know her and, and her crying and you know i had no idea what i was what i was getting into i didn't know this is what it was going to be like i didn't know it'd be so you know personal and emotional and then he's like oh shit and then he feels like total crap and tries to comfort her and you know there's some kind of you can you can see the growth right there for both of them 
Yeah, I just I really enjoyed how they approached this instead of making it a full on comedy, making it sleazy. That they tried to approach this, and nobody's really dumb in this. It's amazing. Even the side characters are savvy, and they're a lot of interesting. That little girl who says it, they're talking baby stories. I don't want to hang out with them. I want to hang out with you guys. And it's oh so my amusing. God, she was so Her? she was so. Oh, and did you notice the like the the one hippie girl or whatever? I don't know. Her name was Sunshine or something. Did you notice that there was Cynthia Nixon? Yeah. Did you see Laura Dern in Foxes? Uh huh. Okay. That was like I. It was oh yeah that because I was gonna say something about that like cameos of you know like obviously much more famous people later in life when it's like and like Cynthia Nixon was like fourteen or something years old and I was just like I had no idea that but I immediately knew it was her yeah like she's, I had she's to like very I entertaining to I love how she resists the food fight they're all getting into it which to me almost feels like it was improv. But she's trying to, like, guys, let's Maybe. don't do this. This is silly. Let's not. And then she just gives in. <laughs> but I do really admire, like, while not every single character, you know, got to be fleshed out and had, like, strong personalities. But a lot of, like, the, all the main girls in her cabin, you know, really had, like, their quirks and their personalities and, like, um, you know, were interesting. And they really like bonded as a group except for that one bitch who just should be punched in the face but she's like the worst anyway. version of phoebe cates's character in fast times at richmond high where she's so so yeah. sophisticated and above it all and i have a boyfriend in college and he's so mature oh i know yes we're engaged but i'm being sent to summer camp you're going to summer camp first of all <laughs> to, to, my parents really want to try to break it up it was like you're right she Kate, which is so sad because you know her character you're like you know that right we decided that she was probably just making up the whole thing oh yeah in fast times did, did, high, you right? find, did you find Ugh. it so fucking creepy in um high school when you found out somebody was engaged you're like what are you talking about you're 17 that's gross I don't know anybody who got engaged at 17 or still in high school. I don't think so. Oh, I, heard I, don't a, I heard a few people that had that and I was just like even a promise ring seems too much to me in high school did you know um, that there was a uh, supposed to be a Little Darling TV movie that Ooh. appeared to be a potentially spinoff sequel or something? No. I know there is an edited, heavily edited version of this on television, but I didn't know about that. No, because it says is a 1982 TV movie. Pamela Adlon for Angel Bright, Tammy Lauren as Ferris Whitney. Huh. Like, it's a whole bunch of the same people, uh, characters, I mean. Um, but a, maybe they made a, a, a trail or made a pilot and it, or something and it never went anywhere. Wow. You know, I actually like both of those actresses, so I actually would be eager to find that if someone ever had put I it I don't know. I recognize both of their faces, not their names, but definitely their faces. Um, Pamela Adlon, I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. She's kind of, like, it's weird because she's been around forever, but it seems like she's really, like, like, like really coming into her own recently. Yeah. But Tammy Lauren, I don't think she acts anymore, but she was a child actor, obviously. But she's in a episode of Facts oh, of Life that her, is fucking, yeah. oh my god, it destroys you. 
because she's... Her face looks really familiar, yeah. Yeah, she was a uh, prostitute in New York, and, and the kids go on a trip with... Um, shit, I can't, I, I can't believe I forgot the names. I was watching this show like crazy like six months ago. Um, who's the teacher? Or not the teacher, but the caretaker for all the girls? Oh, sure, sure. The uh, I don't remember... Fine. The redhead lady, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. They go into the city, and I can't remember why. But, um, oh, no, Tootie runs away. Tootie runs away, and they go to find her. And Tootie's in this cafe. And she meets Tammy Lauren. And and her job is to convince Tootie to uh, join her in the Uh, life of prostitution. She's a recruiter. Yeah, because her pimp forces it to, Uh and he's going to beat her. They save Tootie, but they leave her behind. And she's still a prostitute, and that story is so raw and holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, we've really um, gone down a dark path. No, and... we have. It's a, we're gonna have to discuss something happier on the next episode. <laughs> um, can I just say that I think um, the the part of the reason why this movie is so good is because of the like really quality um, choices they made in their main characters. I mean, I I personally, you know, I think Tatum O'Neill is a really great actress, and I always have really liked Christy McNichol. I think I'm just mostly sad that I, you know, I I have a feeling. I mean, Tatum O'Neill had a lot of lot of problems, right, when she got a little older. Right. Um, and I'm sure it didn't help that she was married to John McEnroe, who oh, was yeah. you know, <laughs> oh, shit. angry dude. But, um, you know, I mean, I just thought she was, like, a little powerhouse when she started out. Like, Paper Moon, she's so good. And, you know, it's just such natural instincts that she had as an actress. And um, um, Christy McNichol, I think, I've always been a little bit obsessed with because of the freaking pirate movie. (laughs) Well, she's great in MTS, too, but I think she kind of retired after that. But you told me this is the Uh, first time you've seen uh, Armando Sante not be creepy. You know, I really just, I mean, I just think he's creepy as hell, man. I don't know. I just have always, I mean, the, did you see the picture? His IMDB picture is Holy just shit. so fucking creepy. He looks like, he looks like a lizard. It's so disturbing. <laughs> he looks like a lizard. You know, he had like a little story arc on um, Chuck also. He was on a couple episodes and he was kind of really funny on that. But mostly I just think he's super super. Super creepy, yeah. yeah. Well, I think in this one, he's a little softer, more sensitive. His hair is down for, I think, the first time ever, because usually he has in that grease back mafioso look, and he's usually a well, tough also, guy. Well, also, yeah, also, you know, they, they often have him, like, be, you know, some specific ethnic, like, bad guy, and, you know, really lean into his you know, I don't know, swarthy looks or whatever. And this who was just like, he's just a guy. Yeah. You know, he was a character. And I think sometimes, um, you know, when people are, are too much of like um, typecasted and character or, you know, like a certain type that it just, I don't, well, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every time I see him, I always think of Judge Dredd, and then Stallone goes, I am the law! And he goes, law! <laughs> so ridiculous, over the top. Oh, man. And then we're just going to die, die. Let's, like, go down a spiral of, oh, they don't. Oh, they don't. 
All right, so uh, that's it for these two. Uh, finally, Little Darlings is widely available. Um, I got it for five bucks on Vudu. And um, uh, Foxes, I cheated and I found on YouTube. Because I hadn't seen it. I didn't know if it was any good. I'm not going to pay 20 bucks for the Blu-ray from Kino. Hey, you know, I mean, it's totally fine to watch stuff on YouTube. Yeah. We're preserving history. Because, okay, so the movie we were going to discuss was uh, Times Square. But someone pulled it from YouTube, and I can't find it anywhere. Oh. I'm not paying $83 for the DVD from Anchor Bay. No oh, way. yeah, you know, see, that's why I got confused about what we were doing, because I thought we were doing that one. And then when I clicked on the link that you sent me, it was dead. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good movie. Well, I've heard rumors it's maybe finally Maybe someday getting... we'll find it. Yeah, I've heard it's being cleaned up and going to be distributed again, but it's just I'm waiting. That movie is... Uh, so close to the spirit of both of these movies and in hmm. its difficulty and honesty with portraying women I, I really uh, or I shouldn't say women young ladies um, but I deeply appreciate it because I feel like a lot of the movies especially we're going to be talking like movies from the 2000s now and the stuff made by like Miramax and Lionsgate was pandering and it's not real and it bugs me that they're selling this fantasy I don't know why Well, you know, I mean, it's kind of just like the whole um, the whole way of American culture is to, like, sell a lie. Yeah, sell the idea of something it, instead of the reality. Whether it's, yeah, whether it's, like, th- through uh, women's clothing or makeup or how they're depicted on television. You know, I mean, and that's just talking about one aspect of the American lie. Um I can. My closet will tell you how. Um, how is it that I can fit in a size six, but also a size twelve perfectly? What? Because it's all a lie. Oh, it's all a I lie. I didn't even know this was a thing. Women's clothing sizes is all just a mindfuck. Wow, because with men, with men, it's it's only it's not a size thing. It's usually just loose fit and regular fit, athletic fit, or you know regular. And it's just oh, okay. Well, I want that kind of shirt. That's it. I want those kind of pants. That's it. We're done. Well, we can have a whole conversation about you know this topic of clothing alone, but uh, on a bigger scale. The American lie, but I don't think we should get into no. that. But you know, we're it's just through, too these, <laughs> through these movies, though, is how we're going to discuss that because we're going to see the evolution yeah. of how women are portrayed in, in movies from the 80s on up. And yeah. there are some movies that really don't treat women well, and we're going to address it. And there's other that don't treat people, um, you know, in, in the same light that we treat them now. The frat boy is yes. something that was cherished in the 80s and kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's a lot of things that have um, changed over time, thank God, um, that you know some will often date or maybe make some things distasteful, but we're not going to ignore those topics when we, you know, if it comes up in a right. movie. Right. It doesn't destroy a movie. I still think Revenge of the Nerds at its heart has good intentions but how it's portrayed in numerous sequences in the movie is fucked up yeah it has flaws for sure 
Um, so that is it for us here. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Video Night. We are the spinoff of that. And guess what, guys? Video Night's coming back. Uh, this month we'll be relaunching for a short season of four episodes discussing different aspects of noir. Uh, comedy cool. noir, uh, doofus detective, stuff like that. Uh, supernatural, I love noir. Yeah, supernatural noir, and then reinterpreted noir. Um, some of the stuff, we're, we're going to say Brick. I was going to do it in the episode, but I want Brick to be a We Got the Beat um, episode. Ooh. Please let me be that. Do that one. Yeah. Well, you always got first dibs. I, I let you have first yeah. dibs at all these. Um, so yeah. that is it. <laughs> I don't know what we'll Sorry. do next. What did we discuss? I swear we. Discussed... I have a deep, deep, deep devotion to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. You know that. So that will never, ever, ever go away. Um, we discussed. I don't know. I don't think we decided I think the next. We're, I want to do some comedy, so we got to lighten this up a little bit. So were we going to do Camp Cucamonga? We're going to do Camp Cucamonga. I know I've done Camp Cucamonga on a different episode from years ago. It doesn't matter. This is special to us. This is one of these movies, like Back to the Beach. I've done I think three times because I love the movie so damn much. Yeah. We'll find another camp movie. We'll try to find something light. Um, okay. and, and we're opening up the field, so there's other things that we can discuss. Um, but that's it. So anything you want to say before we go? Nah. All right, everybody, be excellent to each other and have a good night.